Hello and welcome to Fed Talks. I'm your host, EJ Fed Talks. How's everything going? Uh, you know, I've this is nothing, but it's been it's been uh, on my mind for a full week now. Is there is a podcast I listen to and enjoy uh, very much, uh, Blank Check with Griffin and David. Last week, they never got around to introducing their guest. And, like, the guests still talked and had opinions and stuff. But they never got around to saying, our guest today is blah, blah. And it made me so tense. It shouldn't have. It was not a person I... It wasn't me, you know. But I spent the entire two-hour-plus runtime just just waiting for somebody to realize they hadn't done it and do a oh, oh, oh by by the way my guest is blah blah and it didn't happen and it was it made for a very stressful listening experience so i promise you when i have guests i will introduce them immediately i do not have guests i had one guest i might have another guest at some point but rest assured I, I'm just bringing this up because it bothered me for a week and then I was afraid they wouldn't do it again this week. They would, uh, wouldn't introduce the guest again this week. And phew, it shouldn't bother me. And yet it really threw off my, my, my whole day, which is overly dramatic, I'll admit. But look, it's been a, it's been a stressful year and change and, all I need is a little bit of consistency, which includes saying the name of your guests on your podcast. Am I feuding with Blank Check? I am definitely not. Uh, unless that would somehow benefit me. Then sure, I'll have I'll have a fake beef with... Uh, uh, let's not go down this route. The last thing I need is for this to... Yeah. <laughs> I'd feel terrible if they became aware of me through me announcing my beef with them. Much like my one interaction with Paul Shear was arguing about, about whether Casino Royale is a prequel. And I still think I'm right, but it doesn't matter. Um... Hey, let's talk about some movie stuff. I don't really have anything prepared. I had, I made some notes, but they're all related to movies and TV, and I think that's maybe just what, what, what it's going to be. Um, so the, and this is maybe not as big a news as I think it is, but if you travel in the circles I do, it is crucially important. Uh, they announced the voice cast of the upcoming Super Mario Brothers movie, which uh, they're getting some some uh, uh, pushback on it. Uh, uh, Chris Pratt is Mario, Charlie Day, Luigi. Uh, Jack Black is Bowser. Anya Taylor-Joy from Queen's Gambit is uh, Peach. You know, there's some other. Seth Rogen is Donkey Kong. That's fun. Um, and people, you know, some people are very into the, uh, uh, why are, why are Mario and Luigi not Italians? Uh, I would argue that 
the characters are not Italian anymore since uh, the games have never embraced the idea that they come from uh, our world and go to the Mushroom Kingdom. They have, in fact, created the mythology that they were born in the Mushroom Kingdom and possibly raised by a tiny dinosaur. Uh, and as far as I know, the Mushroom Kingdom doesn't have an equivalent of Italy. I could fight about this all day. I'm 45 years old and I could fight about this all day. Uh, but there's also the... Like, it still kind of sucks that professional voice actors aren't getting these roles. I mean, kids don't care about Chris Pratt and Charlie Day. You know, get some... Like, like the only roles for, for voice actors anymore are like uh, video games at this point. Which seems much less lucrative than doing... And harder work because, you know, you got to record all these alternate lines for different choices... Look, let's stick up for the voice actors. They're trying hard. And some people... There's a real anti-Chris Pratt thing. Uh, because he's... Maybe a Republican, but he does not seem to be a Trump Republican. His social media presence is basically limited to him being pleasant and occasionally quoting Bible verses. And not in the... Uh, the Bible says not to be gay way and more the Bible says, Hey enjoy that rainbow you know uh and he hasn't really said anything objectionable uh that i'm aware of but i got i got no beef with chris pratt every i've seen him enjoyed him in everything i've seen he did a good job as a voice guy in the lego movie uh but i think the problem with doing a mario movie is is beyond the cast although i will say charlie day as luigi is tremendous uh, and Anya Taylor-Joy does not... She's a very good actress, but there's nothing particularly distinctive about her voice that would make you say, oh, that's who needs to... It doesn't matter. My point is, Nintendo's whole thing is they never really give their their leads personalities. Like, Mario doesn't have dialogue. Yeah, I know Charles Martinet does the voice of Mario, but for however many years they've had recorded dialogue in Mario games has always been limited to like exclamations like uh, whoopee or it's a me or you know just sort of groans of anguish or whatever he doesn't really talk uh, it's the same with Link in the Legend of Zelda games even when there are dialogue scenes with somebody he doesn't talk and they just sort of respond as if he has and uh, Samus from Metroid just they don't give the characters personalities which i think that makes them more uh enjoyable for the kind of games they're they are you know they're not in-depth role-playing character studies they're you know a lot of jumping around and you know either shooting or jumping on things and I think that's a big reason those those series are so successful is they're kind of perfect stand-in characters because Mario's personality is whatever you want it to be. There's, uh, you know, you're just running around on bricks and jumping on turtles and he's either having fun or he regrets doing it or he's scared. That's, you know, you don't have to concern yourself with that. He's just this blank slate and you 
to have your Mario play your Mario game and have fun. And it's when you start to give those sort of iconic characters personalities. Like they made Luigi afraid of ghosts, so they could do some spin-off games where he has to deal with ghosts. And that's just led to Luigi across the board being the cowardly brother now. Rather than, you know, second Mario. Tall Mario. And uh you know the companies that have tried to like really give their mascot characters a strong personality i mean take it out of video games look at look at disney mickey mouse has no personality uh bugs bunny's a little different story but also you don't really see bugs bunny anymore outside of outside of your occasional space jam uh you know, there was, <laughs> I remember when I was uh, probably too old to be interested in platforming games, a thing I still enjoy now, but uh, I think it was Activision was doing their version of Mario, but it was Bubsy the Bobcat. And their whole thing was, Bubsy was cool and he didn't take any crap from anybody. If you didn't push a button soon enough, he'd look at his watch and he'd always have wisecracks and he had kind of a Bill Murray personality. And Busby, Bubsy sucks. He sucks so bad. You hate playing his games because he's a little butthole bobcat. He sucks. I have kind of the same thing with Sonic. I don't really enjoy the Sonic games for multiple reasons, but they've also established a strong personality for Sonic, and he is a character I don't like. He's an impatient jerk. Cut it out, dude. Slow down. You being a radical teen is not uh, it's super compelling to me. It wasn't when I was a teen. and Now, good, fall in water. I don't care. So I think once you have a movie, you are now establish a personality for Mario beyond. Uh, he goes on adventures and sometimes he plays go-karts with his friends and enemies. And I think that maybe puts a stink on the character in for future game releases. Because all of a sudden you've set up, this is who Mario is. You don't get any input in that anymore. I don't know. I'm probably not in a position to tell Nintendo. I mean, I'm definitely not in a position to tell Nintendo what to do. They don't care. I just... I feel like the gains to be had are probably going to... Uh, I think they might be offset by by hurting the game franchise. But that's also been going on forever, and maybe it's bulletproof. It survived Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo and Captain Lou Albano. I don't know. I'd just rather they not make a Mario movie. Also, the sad thing is I know I will definitely see it because that's the kind of nerd I am. Oh, I'm a sad, sad man. I don't think I've talked about it before, but I often talk about Marvel stuff here. I did uh, finally see Shang-Chi. Yes, I did pronounce it wrong for all my life. I feel like a fool. I will probably forget to pronounce it correctly in the future just because I've had decades of training one way. Uh, you know what? It was good. I mean, the, you know, the Marvel guys know what they're doing. And this was about as... Uh, as, as close to the formula 
as one of their more recent movies has has been. Um, and but you know it's a, it's a formula that works at least. It's I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's a little it's a little bit of a bummer that they they went sort of the mystical route with him because uh, like the one thing I liked about uh, the old Shang Chi comics, which I didn't read a lot because they were he was popular when I was much too young to care. And I've only kind of read some stuff sporadically. There's some issues where they can't really reprint it because they, <laughs> a licensed character is his father and they don't have the license anymore. Uh, which they changed for the movie, obviously, uh, in a way that's kind of fun if you remember Iron Man 3. Which, I don't know, that was one of the more forgettable ones. But uh, go back and watch it. It's actually pretty fun. Uh but the the like the premise of the comics was more he was Kung Fu James Bond. Like it was a lot of uh, spy stuff and high adventure. And now it's just a lot of uh, Asian flavored mysticism, which is a little bit of a bummer because almost every every Asian superhero is either a karate guy or mystical in some way. And now they just made him both. But people like it, and maybe that's what they need to do. I don't know. I did have a good time watching it. Uh, um, I've heard increasing things that the guy who plays Shang-Chi might be a bit of a problem. Uh, and then other things saying he isn't, but apparently there's some, there may or may not be some things where they scrubbed his Reddit history because of, <laughs> look, I'm not going to get in trouble. He finds people and yells at them online if they say anything negative about him ever. He'll find this podcast. And then he'll he'll send his three million followers to yell at me for... Uh, guys, it's exhausting. Um, I This feud... I've started two feuds already. I am 14 minutes in. Two feuds. Um... I guess the next Marvel thing is the Eternals, which looks really weird and is based on probably the least compelling characters in the entire Marvel library. Uh, and then the Spider-Man movie looks rad. And man, if you are thinking of passing up the Hawkeye Disney Plus series because it's Hawkeye and you're tired of Jeremy Renner in general, I think you're making a mistake. This look, it, they're basing it on, on sort of like this this Hawkeye series from a few years ago that was one of my favorite Marvel series of all time. And the trailer has a lot of moments from that series, and it looks like they're sticking to that pretty closely, which I think will be super fun. So I'm very excited about Hawkeye, which starts, I think, in November. Also, there's Christmas stuff all over, so it seems to be not just a Christmas episode, but possibly a Christmas season. And you know I love my Christmas episodes. So I guess that's me re recommending one of the most popular entertainment franchises in the world. Look, if it, if it wasn't for me uh, 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 pointing these things out to you, where, where would you be? You're sleeping on Marvel stuff, says EJ. <laughs> um, 
Yes, the other, which I'll probably talk about in a couple weeks. I don't like to talk about movies the week they come out. Partly because I'm scared to see them the week they come out, and I like to go when they are less busy. Uh, the Sopranos movie opens this, this Friday, and I'm a little worried it's going to be bad. Uh, like, I think it's a, it's an amazing television show that has also some very, very uh, incredibly weak episodes and stretches of episodes. But the good stuff is good enough to make up for that. But some of the weakest stuff is really the anything that focuses too much on the past. And by necessity, the movie is set in, you know, in, in the past. Uh which means we are not going to see any actors that we that we like and only a few of the characters will could possibly be represented and it's more just that David Chase has not done any he wrote and directed one movie that everybody hated and it came and went and nobody ever spoke of it again in 2012 but you know The Sopranos ended 15 years ago and that is the only thing he's done since then and who's to say if he's still got it? I don't know. It's, uh, you know, some of the early buzz is kind of a, a lot of people going, well, look, it's not exactly like the TV show. And it's like, well, that's literally the only thing I want from a Sopranos movie is to be as much like the Sopranos as possible. That is, in fact, all I could ask of a Sopranos movie. <laughs> You know, it'd be one thing if it was still a going concern there. Well, this is kicking off a new direction. and No, this will... Can you get a weird outlier 16 years later where I go, well, it's not The Sopranos, but it was... No. I want a Sopranos movie to feel like The Sopranos. Uh, over in terms of just a few TV things, uh... I just feel bad when I do nothing but talk about movies and TV for a full episode, and that's really what most episodes are. I really need to sort of codify what exactly I'm doing here. One day I'll have a... Pre I thought I'd have a premise at some point, and this is episode 40 or something, and I am no closer to having a premise for this show than I was at week one. Maybe farther away, because week one I was just trying to not go crazy and talk for a half an hour a week when I wasn't seeing people ever. Which is an okay premise, I suppose. Uh, over in, in TV, though, uh, my one of my favorite shows, Doom Patrol, is back on HBO Max. I have talked about it in the past. It's based on a largely unsuccessful DC comic that is one of my favorites of all time. Like, honestly, it's Batman and then the Doom Patrol for me. Maybe Blue Beetle and Booster Gold sneak in ahead of them, but it's... It's hard to say, because the Doom Patrol need more love, so they get a little bounce there. Uh, and, and they put out the first three episodes already, and uh, I was delighted they brought in one of their 60s villains, Garguax the Decimator, <laughs> who is a big green alien conqueror, but he has like just a dumb design, and he's just a nothing character. Like, there's no hook to him. He usually sort of teams up with groups. There's just... He's... he's there. There's nothing to him outside of the charm of him having this weird bad design. 
And they did something really fun with him where he's kind of a bored country club guy who's been on Earth for way too long. Uh, and their, their handling of him was really good. So that's got me all excited for the... For, I mean, I was excited for the new season anyway, but uh, the show has been taken real heavily from Grant Morrison's 90s run on late 80s, early 90s, run on Doom Patrol, and they've tapped out almost all of those stories. There's only a couple left that they haven't really touched on. So increasingly, they have to, uh, you know... I mean, they are dipping in, especially to, uh, like, the Gerard Way and Rachel Pollock stuff. This is a lot of me talking about Doom Patrol. You can't possibly be interested. But they're having to do more uh, completely original stuff, which has worked out for them in the past. Like, just making Larry, uh, making Larry gay, which he has not been in, you know, 60 years of the Doom Patrol existing and having it work so perfectly... It's like, I, I trust them to do new stuff. Bless your hearts. Go via con Dios, you crazy diamonds. But they, in the second episode, they set up the possibility that Cliff, who is a robot with a human brain and is uh, my favorite, he's the only character who's in every version of the Doom Patrol, and he is my favorite member, which puts him pretty close to being the top of my favorite comic book characters list. And I love him, and he's voiced by Brendan Fraser on the show, and he does a tremendous job. But they set up the possibility that he has Parkinson's disease. And he is a robot, but he has a human brain. So, like, I'll buy the science of that. But them doing that, I literally cried about, uh, like, and his reaction to that. Because, uh... Uh, I'm, I'm loath to say things about my life on this show because I don't want people knowing anything. But uh, my, my grandmother uh, lived with Parkinson's for about 30 years and it was so hard and it took so much from her and my grandfather. And uh, I have some friends who are going through it now that are, and it's, it's one of those things that's very, it's difficult for me to confront even in fiction and suddenly having my, my, uh, you know, making it a thing kind of out of, out of nowhere. And I'm not faulting them. I think it's probably a, a good idea that will lead to good stories and possibly some emotional catharsis, but I wasn't really ready for it. And, you know, so the combination of uh, my my favorite character and this this thing that sort of irrevocably changed my life and the lives of of uh, my my entire family was was a lot to take. I'd like to think I wouldn't ordinarily have cried because uh, a fictional robot was sick, but I also can't promise that I wouldn't. You know how I am. You know what I'm like. Uh, so look forward to Doom Patrol updates. Or maybe I'll put them on my website. Uh, I really like the Doom Patrol, man. I am uh, two months now off of Red Meat. I'm trying to get to the end of the year. It's been difficult. I am 
like earlier, right around this time last year, when I decided I wasn't going to drink until the, oh no, it was the beginning of the beginning of the year when I decided I wasn't going to drink until there was a vaccine and I was vaccinated, which came to, you know, five plus months. Uh, that was not difficult at all for me, but the, the beef thing's been tough. Um, my mouth is very dry and I'm afraid it's going to make weird noises on the microphone. I apologize if that's the case. I don't know what I can do about it because I don't know how to make my mouth less dry. Uh, uh, one day I'll get good at recording and this won't be a problem. Uh, so, it, you know, but, and man, I miss, ha I miss, I miss the occasional hamburger sandwich, you know? But Friday, I was watching with some of, with, I've been watching Better Call Saul again with, with some friends uh, who did not watch it the first time around because even though sort of paying attention to everything on TV and recommending it was sort of my whole thing for about, for about seven or eight years there, uh, they never actually listened to me. So we were finally caught up on the most recent episodes, which now are, you know, almost a year and a half old. Uh, and there was a scene in the, the season finale where Kim is reading from a menu and trying to win Jimmy over with her description of a hamburger. And I want that exact hamburger so much you have no idea. I feel like Kim is taunting me. Also, my friend Becky uh, met, uh, not met, she saw, she thinks she saw, but let's be honest, she saw her. She saw Rhea Seahorn, who plays Kim, at a winery not far from the city where I live and did not say anything. And I feel like I'd be best friends with Kim Wexler if if Becky had just, just uh, taken a stand. Like, you know, it's possible it wasn't her, but it's not, it's not unheard of for, for, uh, famous people to be in West Michigan. Uh, uh, Becky herself met John C. Riley at the local botanical gardens, <laughs> which, which is the perfect combination of celebrity and venue. <laughs> it could not possibly sound more made up. <laughs> yeah. So John C. Riley at the botanical gardens. Yeah, of course, that's who would be there. Um, and I met James Earl Jones a few years ago. Uh, and I was at the post office at the same time as Ted Nugent once. So it's not, you know, it's it's not L.A., but you do get people come through here. Boy, I don't know if I mentioned this, but when I used to, when they used to have a film festival in, uh, in Saugatuck, which is, you know, 90 minutes drive from from where I live. Uh, it was kind of a nationally known film festival and they'd get guests. And every once in a while I would, because uh, I had press passes, so sometimes I would get to meet or talk to actual famous people. And one year, I swear I saw, I was, saw Donald Sutherland in a novelty, in a, an, in a gift shop. Uh, but I don't think he had a movie there, so he might have just been a middle-aged guy with a long face. 
but one I did, um, I've, I can't remember if I talked about when I met Yardley Smith or not, but if I haven't, I probably won't because it was a really nice experience that I don't want to cheapen by publicizing. It makes it sound like something dirty happened. She was just incredibly sweet to me. Uh, but definitely one year, definitely one year, uh, that was weirdly phrased, uh, Mary Lynn Rice Cub from Mr. Show and uh, 24 and all sorts of other stuff was there. And I just sort of ran into her on the street. And I am a big fan of Mr. Show when I was a, that was, that was after 24 wasn't good anymore, but I had just started watching it. So I was watching the ones that were good. And she was somebody I was obviously very excited to see. And she had a thing of orange juice in her hand and I had a thing of orange juice. And like, I was actually passing around the sidewalk. And I said, hey, we both like orange juice. <laughs> cool. Uh, <laughs> a couple years ago, Brian Posehn performed in town and I went to a show and I went to dinner afterwards, like within walking distance of the venue. And as I was leaving, he was heading to the place where I was leaving, just kind of walking up the sidewalk. And I actually passed him and I, I didn't wish to bother the man, but you know, I have Brian Posehn's great. So all I said to him was, hey, I like your show. And that was the weirdest thing I could have said because if I said I liked your show, that might mean imply that I had just seen the comedy performance that he had put on, which I think was what I meant. But I said it in the present tense. And at the time, he was not on any kind of TV show or podcast. There was no Brian Posehn show for me to like as a going concern. <laughs> it was... <laughs> It was so weird. I'm so bad at talking to people. I don't know why they let me. Um. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry about that. Uh, also, the other thing I have in my notes is that I've been I enjoyed the new season of AP Bio, but uh, when they opened the season four finale with text on screen that indicated all four seasons had taken taken place over this over a few months I was shocked I have not been so shocked since Patriot got his fingers shot off so shocked by a TV show I mean I, there's probably been more shocking things in real life uh, January 6th insurrection for example um, I couldn't believe it because most of these people have visibly aged four years <laughs> <laughs> it's still the same school year after four seasons oh bless their hearts boy I feel like I didn't really get to uh, anything but movies and TV but honestly that's what's in my soul so I guess we'll take it uh, obviously I would remind you to check out the uh Best uh, best T-shirts on the entire internet, teasedbysummer.com. Um, I know in most parts of the country we're heading out of T-shirt weather, but you can wear layers. Look, that's not an excuse. 
Plus, some stuff's available as mugs. Uh, there's a water bottle that's very good that I have started uh, because I, I am still very afraid to go back to the gym because that just seems like maybe the most uh, highest transmission place I could be, especially given that I live in Michigan where... Uh, uh, more often than not, I am the only person wearing a mask indoors, and I am occasionally taunted because of it. So I've just been trying to be more active without without uh, that as an option, and I've started going on on long walks. And when I do, I take the uh, I take the this water doesn't stink water bottle with me. It's perfect. It's it's a it's a smaller water water bottle, so it's great to carry along on a walk. It's convenient. You can even clip it to your belt. It works. It's the perfect size where it's not going to cause some sort of a, a hilarious pants dropping thing. Uh, it's a it's a great product that I, I bought because I thought it was funny and I like to support my friend slash sponsor. Uh, but now it's actually genuinely useful. It's great. Uh, there are of course so many great shirts. Um, I'd go on longer, but this dry mouth thing is really bothering me. And I am afraid of weird mouth sounds being associated with, uh, with, with ads for a very good person who makes very good shirts. So look, go to teasebysummer.com. Buy something. You can leave a message for the seller. You can say EJ sent me. Or, better than that, just, just leave a positive affirmation. This, this design is really good. You're doing a great job. Say something like that. Just be nice. You know, be nice to a person. I'm saying this as if you aren't nice generally. And I I was going to say I don't know you, but I genuinely know most of the people who listen to this. And you are nice people. But, you know, give somebody a little boost. Make their day better. Buy something. Say they're doing a great job. Tell her she looks nice today. That's always a, a compliment I like to give to somebody when I have absolutely no visual component to the interaction. You know, it's a safe assumption, but who doesn't like hearing that, you know? So look, teasebysummer.com. Check it out. Buy stuff. Uh, I guess that is it. I will. I did put something new on the apive.com. I wrote about how I'm uh, kind of kind of walking away from DC Comics, which used to be my favorite thing in the world. Although I I still love them conceptually very much, and, and Batman and the Doom Patrol are my best friends. Uh, I'm just not going to be keeping up on day-to-day -day stuff anymore. But I will, for example, read 30 issues of All-Star Squadron over the weekend. And, uh, look, I know you're not coming here for... I know, no, I, I take that back. I was going to say you're not coming here for my takes on, on uh, uh, you know, 38-year-old comic series, but I have at least one listener who is explicitly coming here for that purpose. But All-Star Squadron was one I remembered enjoying as a child. I thought maybe it would be something where I would discover new joys to it as an adult. Nope, it is not very good. And in fact, kind of racist. Uh, that's not entirely fair since it's set in, in World War II, 
but the depictions and language used to describe Japanese people are not great. There is one issue, especially where they use a certain slur a whole bunch of times. <laughs> and every time I'm like, no, Plastic Man, no, you can't. Not you too, Hawkman, my God, what is happening here? You, you, guys, you guys have action figures. You can't be saying that. Ah. Uh, why did I read so many? I was trying to remember why I liked it as a kid, and I think the reason I liked it was because it was a, an unsus, unsustainably large team that got up to like 40 members at one point. And when you're a kid, just put all the superheroes in a comic, and that's the best buy for your, you know, if mom tells you you can pick out two comics, you're going to get the one that has everybody in it, even if it's set in the 40s and they're kind of racist. Um, so <laughs> that's my retro review of All-Star Squadron, somehow stuck in the middle of the closing segment. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at EJ Fettis or on Instagram at EJ underscore Fettis. Don't do either of those things. Uh, you can email me at fedtalks at yahoo.com um, I will I recorded a guest uh, a spot as a guest on an po upcoming podcast uh, I think it's a couple weeks before it comes out so I'm going to be secretive about it and lead you to wonder if maybe it was a big uh, like a big show but it was very fun and I hope to do it again and uh, during the show uh, one of the hosts and I sort of landed on the idea of doing a Gotham recap podcast, <laughs> which I feel like I'm not ready to do just yet since it ended so recently. But at some point, it's a hundred. It's a hundred episodes. It'd be a commitment, but maybe one day. I know I said I posted a thing on the APIVE about walking away from DC Comics and then all I talked about was DC Comics, but I'm a complex man with many a thought. Uh, I guess that's it. I'll be back in a week or maybe two, depending on how everything's going. Uh, I planned a trip. I'll tell you about that next week. Or not. It's maybe none of your business. Who knows how this is going to go? Have a good week. Fed Talks is a full boys production. Wah, 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 wah.